My name is Brock, and this is the Dungeon Master's Toolkit Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Toolkit Podcast. On today's episode, I talk to Dave from the Arcane Dice Podcast. On the episode, we talk about running modules, purple worms, and we go into a little bit of detail on the podcast that he is running and a bunch of other fun Dungeon Master topics. Before we jump into the episode, just a friendly reminder that we are running a design competition this January. So that competition is still going. You have until the end of January to put in a submission. Submissions are short 250 word entries. It's just an item or a magical item that you might find in a fantasy desert metropolis type area. And then we will be going ahead and publishing all of those in a free PDF that everybody can grab. And remember that this is system agnostic. So Don't put anything specific to a certain system in it, just make it kind of a vague text description, and it should work for anybody. With all that out of the way, let's jump into the episode. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have Dave from the Arcane Dice Podcast. Welcome, Dave. Hello, and welcome. Thanks for for having me on. I really appreciate this. Yeah, I'm really excited to have this conversation. Dave, why don't you tell us about how you got started in the tabletop role-playing hobby? Ooh, how I got started in the uh, the tabletop role playing hall. Well, I guess way back in the day, um, and we're talking we're talking the eighties. So so quite a long time ago. Uh, I was the uh, I was the younger brother. So my older brother would would uh, you know start playing these games and and things like that. And uh, being the younger brother, uh, basically uh, forced him to uh, have to play with me as well. So that's that's where I got my introduction, and then from there, I mean, we went off. My friend group, we got into Dungeons and Dragons, and we uh, and we played and played. So, you know, started off Dungeons and Dragons, moved to Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, from there, uh, I mean, every weekend we were playing Dungeons and Dragons, the uh, the five of us, and uh, that went on for I'd say most of the eighties. Uh, after that, kind of moved away. Uh, and then there was a long, long, dry spell of no Dungeons and Dragons, and I got back into it about, I don't know, I'd say about five years ago, five, six years ago, I got back in, um, and, uh, you know, picked up 5e and, and went right from there. Um, and how did you get started as a Dungeon Master? Uh, well, everybody wants to play, uh, but not everybody wants to uh, Dungeon Master. Uh, so when I got back into it, uh, you know, five or six years ago, uh, I, I played, uh, a Monday, um, a weekly Monday group. So I'd show up, we'd go down to the old, uh, game store. We'd play there. It was great. Uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of the people in that group were students and, uh, and things like that. So one went off to do their, their thing in Europe. Uh, the end of the party ended up kind of just breaking up as uh, everybody kind of graduated university and, and moved off to, to whatever they were doing. And, uh, I wasn't done. I, I wanted to play more. Uh, unfortunately I had to take over as the, uh, the dungeon master. So rounded up some, uh, some friends. Uh, we went back to the game store and there I was, uh, instead of playing, I was now, uh, now running the games and, uh, kind of been that way ever since uh you know and until we started the podcast where i got to play a bit um 
until our, our current DM has uh, decided he needs to take some time off because he's going to join the circus. Uh, so back to dungeon mastering. So it wasn't, uh, <laughs> it wasn't a, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't set out to be a dungeon master. Uh, but you know, again, you got to realize if you, if you want to play, somebody has got to fill that, uh, fill that spot. So, uh, even, uh, even after we started the podcast, I still ran a group, uh, online roll 20 or, or through discord, uh, where we'd play once a week, uh, just, just to get that fix. You know how it is. Oh, I mean, I think that's kind of the, almost the standard answer for everybody, right? Is it's not necessarily that you chose to be the dungeon master. It's just that you decided you didn't want to stop playing. So <laughs> exactly. Like we, uh, I, I mean, I don't mind being a dungeon master. I enjoy it. Uh, but obviously you, you get more, um, dedicated time as a player, right? You, you have your character, you have your, your arc, you have your, your goal, but as the dungeon master, who's got to facilitate the story, I mean, you're, you're all over the map half the time. You're, you know, got to remember to account for everybody, let them get their story out. And, uh, and that's the hard part. Cause I, I, you know, I want, I want my story, but, uh, I'm learning, uh, slowly to, uh, to do that. But I mean, it's not always an easy, easy job. Uh, are there things that surprised you kind of when you jumped into being a dungeon master? Uh, you know what? Yes, actually, uh, it surprised me because I, you know, I'll talk a big game. I'll uh, I'll I'll let my players know that uh, their life is always on the line, and that uh, you know, at a moment's notice, uh, you could be pulling out your backup character. But it surprises me how much I actually sometimes, uh, as a dungeon master, pull my punches when 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 dealing with some of the monsters. And is that in like when you're pulling punches? Is it are you rolling like behind a screen or something, and then not? you know, yeah, having misses I'll, and stuff or. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll roll behind the screen. And, you know, if I've already hit that guy like three times and I know he's, uh, he's, uh, you know, not doing so well or they're not doing so well. And then I roll a nat 20. <laughs> I, I, I let those slide for a little bit, right? Like uh, I want them to get their story out, but at the same time, I want them to realize that, you know, that it's, it's a real possibility that your character can die. And how do your characters uh, respond to that? Are they generally of the uh, type that they don't want their characters to die? Or are they okay with that? Um, I mean, they're they're okay with it. They like I, I let them know it's going to happen. Like, so have that backup character. Uh, it's a uh, character destiny. They're never really easy for the character, right? Uh, they, everybody gets attached. So you know, if we're uh, just in a random encounter. Uh, that's a that's a really crappy time to die, right? If if you're gonna die, it should be. I feel like a hero's death, right? Uh, bumping into mm-hmm. four wolves and they get uh, four lucky crits right in a row. That's uh, <laughs> right. That's that's kind of a little unfair. Uh, going down, fighting the uh, the big bad. That's uh, that's a little more easier for them to, to swallow or you know chew on, right? So I uh, I try to keep them going for as long as possible, but. Uh, I gotta, uh, that's really a, my, my big thing. I gotta stop holding their hands so much and, and, and let the dice roll as they roll. Um, and playing 5e, it seems a lot of times, at least when I've run 5e, that the, uh, I might pull punches a little bit and then the characters like seem like they were like in a pretty bad spot, but they actually weren't, you know, or they 
5e characters tend to be fairly resilient they do right and and with the death saves and the revivify and pouring a healing potion it's it's hard right it is hard to kill a character sometimes uh so they they have that advantage now like you know not not like in the old days where uh if you went below your 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 con or whatever it was right you're you're dead that's it permanent death uh so it's uh it's hard to do that in in 5e get that get that permanent death again i think it's what three times or or two times three yeah you get three saves and then if somebody heals you before then then you can pop back up too which is usually the case in the games that i've played somebody will Get you with a healing spell or a potion or something. I mean, it doesn't doesn't really get you out of danger, but it, you're not dying anymore, so uh, that right. helps a little and, bit, <laughs> right? And then in 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 the old days, it was I mean, you you went down, you would lose hit points, uh, continue to lose your hit points into the negatives, right? And that's once you hit a certain threshold, that was it. You're permanently dead. Only uh, you know resurrection or something like that could get you. But I mean, with three death saves. Uh, as soon as you pop back up, you got three death saves again. It's hard to kill a character, uh, but it, it can be done. Um, when you're when you're running games, um, do you have kind of like a certain like story path that you're following, or do you do you do more of like an open sandbox? What is kind of your DM style? Uh, I like to have a module. I'm I'm old school that way. Um, I don't want to spend the whole game having to, the, to think that much on my feet. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm a lazy DM for that. I, I Like, I'll throw my own things in, but it's nice to have uh, a module with an adventure path that you're going to be following. Uh, that's that's what I prefer. Uh, there's some DMs I know who can create this magical world and just roll with it. And that, that was our last DM. He he Everything was in his, his mind, right? Um, our actions caused what would happen next. Mostly, like we would say something, he's like, "Oh yeah, it's a good idea. We'll uh, we'll go that way." But I like to have a module, something uh, for me to aim to end for. Right? Otherwise, it, it could ramble on forever. With the module, you know, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and from there, you you can move on to the next module or adapt something else to to bring in. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, I have not run or. Well, at least I have not knowingly been run through a module, I guess. Um, what module, is there certain like modules that you really enjoy or would recommend? Uh, oh, man. I mean, I'm, I think it's out now. I think it's out for 5e, but uh, Temple of Elemental Evil, that's, that is a classic, classic module uh, that I think they have adapted to 5e. Uh, wonderful. I mean, it's got all that classic dungeon crawl kind of stuff in it. Uh, there are so many out there. It's uh, it's hard to uh, it's hard to pick. Uh, with the new modules they they've they've come out now, like I believe what there's the uh, I haven't played all of them uh, yet. <laughs> 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 but I mean, what do we have here? Like uh, uh, for somebody starting out, like uh, what is it? Tales from the Yawning Portal is a great book for people to start out with. Uh, it's got like four or five modules in there. Uh, I think Tomb of Annihilation's in there, which is another great module. Um, I've played some of the, uh, I believe, Out of the Abyss, which was really, really good. Uh, I mean, a module, there, I mean, with the, what, 20, 30 years, 30, 
oh jeez, wrong my age. Twenty years was just two thousand twenty, so forty years of <laughs> of, uh, of Dungeons and Dragons. There are so many great out out there. Like just to start off, uh, if, uh, if you could easily. Uh, uh what is it the uh keep on the borderlands i think they've updated that one as well it's it's a great starter module for anybody who's looking to start dming or even players to start playing to to get in and get that that experience for uh for dungeons and dragons right um any of the old modules can be easily converted to 5e right you just got to look at the monsters uh change out the stats for whatever and and off you go so i mean the sky's the limit yeah, I think I need to really get into a module and and have that to run because, uh, like you mentioned, a lot of the games that I've done, they just kind of they can become unfocused, and then if the group's not excited about it or whatever, then you know scheduling issues and they just kind of fizzle out. You know, the normal the normal reason that campaigns usually die, but uh, having something a little bit more set in stone, maybe a little more cinematic with a little less prep time too, right? Because because it takes a long time to to prep stuff and it just having a bunch of it at your fingertips makes it a little bit easier. It, it does. And uh, I mean, even, even now uh, we're running water deeps uh, dungeon of the mad mage. That's, that's 23 levels. Uh, so, I mean, each level itself could be a module like upon itself and even, even running that module, like we do it on roll 20. So, I mean, there's still a lot of prep time for that map uh it's it's, it's uh i mean a lot more than than say if we were sitting around the table where i just roll out the map throw a mini down when you bump into a monster so i mean even with modules now with the you know roll 20 and the other uh other apps for for playing games uh really adds to the prep time but at least you know where it's going to be and you're not uh you're not trying to figure out okay well, I have no idea what they're going to do because I'm, I'm I'm making this up as I go along. I have a general idea where they'd like to be. How do you prep for that? Like, I, I have no idea how to prep for that to throw in a random encounter or maybe whatever, right? So if, if it's too huge of a sandbox, you can't prep. With, with a module, I mean, it's straightforward. You know, in this room, there are going to be four orcs. In that room, it's the bugbear, right? And that's great. I love that part. Um, do you have any advice for new dungeon masters? Well, if you could be a player, that's a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, uh, for, for a new dungeon master, just, uh, go with the flow, right? Even with a module, even, uh, with a homebrew world, uh, your players are constantly going to surprise you, uh, and just roll with it, right? Like we could spend, uh, a whole session just dealing with one door i mean it's not even locked but the, the players get this idea in their head that uh oh no this is the, this is the door this is this is the major door for some reason right so your players will always dictate how the story goes and just let it happen that's that's the best advice i can give right have have an idea a beginning a middle and an end if you're using the module or uh you know a direction you want to go if you're going to sandbox homebrew something and just uh see see what happens right I can spend hours prepping a map, uh, thinking this is where they're going to go, and and they'll just surprise me and turn around and say, you know what, we're going back up to level one. <laughs> so, um, have you have you had a situation uh, like you mentioned? They there's like a, a random door, and they just like put a ton of emphasis on it, um, and and has that dictated, or have you like changed things because of that? Um, 
I have I have more more often than I like to admit. Um, where yeah, they'll they'll hyper focus on on something that's just a random object uh, in the room, and you have to be like, okay, well, yeah, you, you've looked at this and you've checked it out, and it's uh, nothing's happened, right? And a lot of it comes down to your dungeon master style. Like if you're uh, if you have a tendency to be a little shady with them, they'll they'll have a tendency to be you know more cautious and and whatever back, right? So. It's a fine line you have to walk between giving them information and uh, and not revealing things, right? So they're always going to do it. Doesn't matter what party or what module or what game. There's there's always going to be a point in 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 the adventure where they're going to hyper focus on something that has absolutely nothing to do with the story, and you just kind of you got to let it go, let them let it get them out of their system, and then just kind of all right, what are we uh, where are we going now? Let's just uh, nudge them along into the next direction. I uh, I don't have a poker face, um, so whenever my players do something really weird, a lot of times I'll just smirk. Uh, but it's the same smirk whether they're like, I know something that they don't know, or they're just looking at something that's dumb and is irrelevant. Um, but they don't know that, and usually every time that happens, they get even more paranoid about whatever they're doing. <laughs> right. And that's uh, and that's just it. Uh, and and the adventure that we're running now, uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. There's obviously an insane mage involved. So they're they're paranoid right off the bat because this this Halister Blackcloak will pop in and out of this adventure um, as he sees fit or as I see fit to to torment them. Right. So everything is suspect to them. Right. Doesn't matter when they walk past something and they hear a voice in their head. Uh, you know, it's probably not a mimic. They're already on their toes, right? So uh, I'm just enjoying getting the chance to uh, to torment them a little bit and, and see what happens. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, um, are there certain tools or websites or books or anything that besides modules that you tend to use for your DMing? Uh, usually I'll have about 30 PDFs open. Um, and of those 30, it'll only actually be about five or six, uh, PDFs, but I'll have copies of copies of copies open. So I don't have to try to scroll through pages. Uh, Google, Google is my best friend, uh, when we're, when we're doing something. So they'll be like, Oh, I want to do this. I'm like, well, what, what spell is that? Right. I'm uh, and I'll just Google it. Roll 20 will generally pop up the, uh, the spell or item or or monster if not there'll be like an srd page or uh, a reddit forum or anything like that so i mean the module i'm running dungeon master's guide player's handbook and then um google that's it's going to be your best tool you know honestly i think you're the first person that has stated google as the tool and not (laughs) something else so but yeah i i mean even just for looking up random stuff when I'm not playing a game, it's it's so easy to find that specific spell or that specific rule or whatever uh, just with the simple Google search. Right, it, it, and it just pops up, and it'll usually pop up. Uh, Roll20 has most of the uh, most of the answers. Yeah, so I, I Google something, it's usually Roll20, D&D Beyond, or uh, a Reddit or Stack Exchange thread. And that's that's usually the the first few that come up, or or like the five e SRD page, or uh, you know Eberron Wiki, or whatever, right? So, uh, 
I'd say 90% of the time, the answer is correct. Uh, but really, once I decide that it's going to be the correct answer anyways, right? Oh, yeah, you're the dungeon master. Um, uh, kind of along those lines, do you use any house rules when you're running the game? Um, trying to think. Uh, not... Uh, not too many. Basically, my my big house rule is if if you could convince me uh, why you can do something, I'll let you do it. Be it, a, be it an action or or you know uh, a rule of cool kind of thing, a spell or you know I want to do this maybe, but I don't have the right movement. But because of uh, all these reasons, I should be able to do it. And you know I'll let somebody do that. That's basically my house rule. Other than that, we we tend to follow the uh, the rules per five e. There's nothing. Uh, Oh, wait, no, I, I do have one house rule. I'm thinking about it now. Uh, all my characters or all the players, I feel, should be heroes, right? So anything uh, lower than a 10 when they're, we, we roll our, our, our stats. So uh, anything lower than a 10 is a re-roll for me, right? You, you can't, I don't let my characters go below 10 for, for stats. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, and really when you're looking at like the character abilities and stuff. I mean, they get into the level of being like superheroes, you know, after, I mean, not even that many levels. Right. So having just a, a slight bump to your stats makes sense. Right. That's uh, that's, that's my thing. Like you are supposed to be heroes. You're above, above the average person. So, I mean, the average person has a 10. It should be higher than that. Um, when you're, um, when you're building characters or when you're having your players build characters, do you have them come to the table with backstories figured out or do you kind of figure those out together? What is your um, kind of, how do you guys set that up? I let them do all their backstories and things like that. Um, hopefully it comes out, <clears throat> excuse me. Hopefully it comes out through the story, right? That's, that's how I want to hear a lot of the backstory. Uh, if they want to come to me after and, or in between or during and said like, okay, this is my backstory. Can we incorporate this part or let this happen? Uh, then I'll do my best to let that happen. Right. But I like to, I like to find the backstory out as the story comes out. Sure. So they can kind of have like an idea ahead of time or when they're making their characters, but you, what you really want to do is to see it kind of emerge through the gameplay. That's what I love. Yeah, I, I hope to see that. We uh, we have one guy, um, and he will write backstory. Like he'll give you uh, a four volume book, uh, going <laughs> five generations, which is great. But he never lets it out during the gameplay, which is frustrating, right? So that's uh, right because that's kind of when it matters, right? Right? Like you're okay. You're this edgy, uh, you know, broody kind of hidden guy. He's always, you know, hiding his identity. But why? Right? We, we, everybody wants to know why. Why are you hiding? Who are you hiding from? Or, or what's the risk if you get uh, caught? Right? But uh, it never comes out. I gotta stop making those characters. I seem to to fall into that trap. <laughs> everybody makes the edgy, broody, hiding character. It's it's it's. It's a role-playing, it doesn't matter, you, you can play Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, Delta Green, Paranoia, uh, any game out there. You're, you're always going to eventually make that brooding, hiding, edgy guy, right? It's, it's, it's unavoidable. It's like moths to a flame. <laughs> well, that makes me feel a little better then. <laughs> Everybody does it. Um, have you ever used like flashbacks or anything for kind of incorporating uh, backstory? I haven't yet. 
I I want to. Uh, uh, and with our with our podcast, I I'm a little I'm a little scared of what would happen if I told them. Okay, give me uh, give me a ten minute blurb where we can do a flashback because um, they'll be doing that unsupervised. So. I mean that once 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 that gets handed in, that becomes part of the story, right? So who knows where that story goes after that? But uh, I really want to do it. Um, a little scared, but it's it. I think it would be great great for it to come out. Um, and actually, you mentioned the podcast. This might be a good time to kind of switch gears and talk a little bit about your podcast. So if you just want to give us kind of the rundown on what you're doing over at Arcane Dice. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we have a podcast, the Arcane Dice podcast. We have two shows. We just wrapped up uh, season one last month uh, with a hundred and I guess hundred and thirty three episodes, uh, a long, long spanning campaign arc. Because uh, uh, our our dungeon master, like I said uh, earlier, our, our dungeon master that we all had there for the podcast, he's he's joining the circus for a little bit, so he's got to work on his act. Um, so that one was a uh, uh, Forgotten Realms-based home-brewed uh, campaign that he ran. Uh, and like I said, out of his mind. And uh, every time we did something, that kind of just directed the uh, the podcast or, or the story how it was going to go. And now we have started uh, Waterdeep's Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So our Dungeon Crawl Legacy of the uh, Mad Mage podcast, which is... Uh, me DMing and uh, Raph, Morley, uh, Chase, and Matt uh, going through the 23 levels of the Mad Mage's uh, dungeon deep below water deep. So, uh, and is this like an actual play podcast then? It is actual play. So we're, we're, we're doing the water deep module. Uh, we, we log in. Everybody does a sound check. Uh, and then uh, we, we go at it. We record. We're so we have our our podcast on Podbean, and we just started uh, started throwing them up on YouTube as well. So we got two episodes up there to actually watch us go through this. It's uh, totally unscripted. Totally, uh, I have no idea what they're going to do each week. And uh, I mean, like I said, the surprise of them focusing on a door for a whole session. <laughs> That is, uh, unfortunately, a possibility. Uh, as, as it's just like your regular table, our podcast, right? We don't, uh, there's no no big production to it. It's just like sitting down uh, on your, your own weekly game. Um, how long are your sessions then? Uh, we average about an hour, uh, hour to an hour and a half per session, depending. I like to, uh, I like to leave off on a, on a cliffhanger if I can, but uh, that's hard to do sometimes. Yeah, an hour to an hour and a half. That's a little bit more manageable too, from like a, a podcast episode perspective as well. It's also a little bit less of a burden from the on the DM side, <laughs> right? Yeah, because I, I try to think about it. Like, how long is somebody going to sit and listen, or are they going to, you know, are they listening on a commute into work? Are they are they listening while they're driving around? Right. So, I mean, I know there's someone out out there that are like two hours, three hours long, and like. Man, as as much as I love to play for that long, I I couldn't uh, I couldn't imagine putting a pos- podcast out that long either. So, is there anything that you've learned um, just from you know maybe that's different from doing the podcast versus just regular DMing? Uh, well, you know, 
now that I've jumped back into the the dungeon master seat, right? I've I've got to start focusing again on 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 being that and and being more creative in my storytelling and giving them an opportunity to tell their story. So it's always a, every time I, I I jump in, I'm like, okay, I got to remember. Okay, I got to be more descriptive, right? I can't just uh, run through and say, okay, yeah, you know, you killed that guy, and and on to the next, right? So I have to give them the opportunity to say, like, how did you kill that guy, or you know, what is your character doing now? So I got to remember to be more descriptive and give them opportunities to be more descriptive. But, uh, you know, each week is a new experience. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, that makes sense, especially when you kind of think about it being a audio only medium uh, for the podcast. And then, you know, the people at your table know, maybe can either see maps or, or you know, are a little bit more engaged. But then if you have a listener that's in their car, then, like you said, if you just say, oh, you hit the guy and then, you know, the next guy, yeah. whatever, it, it does can be can, can be less interesting than from from a listener perspective than maybe it would be for the people that are at the table. Right. Exactly. So I got to I got to remember that we are we are a radio show. Right. So I got to I don't know, maybe I had to go and and listen to some, uh, you know, 1940s radio shows. Get a get a better idea of how things should uh, should run, right? Because uh, I mean, we have to we have to tell our story. You know, it's all audio. We just started doing YouTube, so now now they can watch us. But before that, it was you know, you're not going to drive around or uh, you know sit on the train watching YouTube. You're gonna you're gonna listen to a podcast more than 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 YouTube, right? So we still got to keep that that whole descriptive uh, storytelling ability and uh, and work on that. It's funny, um, even when I am like, yeah, air quotes, watching YouTube videos, more often than not, I'm actually just like, set my phone down and listen to it while I'm cleaning or doing dishes or something. I don't, I don't actually end up watching YouTube a lot either. I, I end up listening to it. So having something that is easy for me to intake without needing to see what's on the screen is very beneficial. <laughs> Right, exactly. Right. Um, I mean, the YouTube helps as you can see the map now, but but still, yeah, it's uh it's it's a an audio storytelling, and uh, we're we're working more and more every week. Like we every week's an improvement for us, right? And that's that's the goal. Just uh, you know, be that little bit better every week to uh, to tell that story. Um, and I think did you mention that you were using Roll Twenty for online play? We do use Roll Twenty for online play. Uh, I uh, it's the one I started with, uh, so it's the one I'm sticking with. <laughs> uh, and it's it's free, and I like that. And uh, it uh, it has its quirks. Uh, I had a paid paid uh, membership for a little while, so I can get the dynamic lighting. But I, I felt, you know, all in all, uh, the amount of effort that had to go in to do dynamic lighting, it just it, it 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 wasn't uh it wasn't worth it and this still works well just the way we do it now without it so it's uh it seems to be a fine system uh roll 20 was the first one that i ever started with um and yeah it, it has some quirks but it does get a lot of the main um really the core things that you need uh it has um and it's it's fairly simple to use and to learn i think yeah, and uh, I mean, we when I would when I would play with my my weekly group, we used Roll Twenty online, and they did the characters up in it, and and it was great. It would roll for you. You saw the dice rolls, all that kind of fun stuff. 
And that was wonderful. I mean, we're using it for the podcast. We're just basically using it for the map. Uh, I let them have their own characters. They're rolling their own dice, so I'm trusting them, just like uh, they're trusting me. So it uh, it seems to work out well. And I mean, you got to admit, rolling rolling physical dice is always better than computer dice. It's nice when it can do the math and stuff for you, but it yeah, it just doesn't have the same feel as rolling physical dice. Right. I'll, uh, yeah. I mean, if I got to do, if they screw up real bad and I got to roll something that high, I'll, I'll use the roll 20. That's not a problem. I mean, uh, they'll, uh, they'll appreciate seeing, you know, you know, 20 D six of damage come across that gives them a, gives them a little bit of a wake up call as opposed to me rolling it in my box and then waiting for me to add everything up. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a good system. Um, I know there's what there's fantasy grounds or something like that out there. There's a couple of other ones. Uh, I know a lot of quite a few have popped up, but uh, like I said, it's the one I started with. So, I mean, the learning curve is no longer there. Most of the guys in the group were uh, on our, my weekly group anyways, and uh, they know how to use it as well. So it's easy peasy. Yeah, if everybody knows it, um, I recently got Foundry and I've been playing with that. And there's definitely more features. But like you said, you you can spend a lot more time prepping things, you know, to use those features. Um, and actually I would say in the last, I don't know, couple months, I have seen multiple Reddit posts of more and more people who are like, Hey, I just put together my own, you know, VTT, check it out and see if you like it. And it's like, Holy cow, there are, there are so many of them now. And I think the pandemic to some extent has helped to push that as kind of a necessary piece for, uh, continuing to play. Oh, for sure. Right. Like uh, the pandemic definitely uh, jump started and spearheaded the uh, the VTT uh, craze. Like you can't uh, like yeah, on Reddit or anywhere, like everybody's got a VTT now. Like check mine, check mine. But I mean, as a player, as a DM, as uh, you know, the guy on the street, I don't have the time to check everyone out. Right. Like I know Roll20, it's established. Uh I mean, I'm not getting paid by them by any means, and they haven't given me anything. But, I mean, it's established. It's there. Yeah, the the voice and, and video chat can be, you know, splotchy at times. We we use Discord when we played online, right? So Discord for voice and video, roll 20 for the map. And that's really all I want is I just I need that map so they can see where they are. And I can see how close they are to the monster instead of trying to theater of the mind everything, right? And then... Uh, you know, you know for sure somebody's got flanking. You know for sure somebody's within range. You know for sure that uh, that spell AOE is going to hit all these people. That that is one of the main reasons that I like to use maps as well. Is it just it, it, the, there's less questions from players as to like, okay, how close was this person again, and like, can I hit this? You know, and as a DM, that's a lot of things to like try to keep track of, like mental distances and stuff in your head as to you know how far things are. And that's just not something that you really want to have. Uh, that's not something that I care to have my brain thinking about along with everything else that I'm trying to accomplish at the same time. Right. That's like, that's a lot of plates in the air and uh, half those plates are spinning. So I, mean, <laughs> I like to try to keep, keep it as simple as possible for me. Um, you know, even with NPCs, like, I'll do NPCs up in roll 20 I'll, or, or, or monsters. I'll, I'll pull their stats. I'll put them into a sheet so I can open them up and look at them. But I mean, you gotta, 
to keep the battle moving, to keep the encounter going, yeah, you have to have those 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 hard lines, right? Okay, you are this close, that far. I I need to know that so I can just keep it rolling smoothly. And we're not fighting the, oh, I'm close enough, or, you know, I should be able to do that, right? I uh, have that hard black and white look. You can do it. No, you can't do it. Uh, okay, I have a question. Okay, I was trying to find it on my sheet. Um, do you have a favorite encounter that you've used before? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Uh, I only save it for when they've, you know, angered me or frustrated me in some way. Uh, but if you're going to give them an encounter that they will never forget, purple worm. <laughs> I, I really liked the chuckle at the beginning of, of your response to that. <laughs> you, you can, you can never go wrong with a purple worm. And, uh, I mean, it used to be, it used to be everywhere in the old days, purple worms. Uh, but now not so much. Right. And, uh, I think, I think they really need to make a purple worm resurgence. I was hoping with Dune coming back out again, we would see more purple worms uh, in encounters. But uh, I'm doing I'm doing the best to make sure that happens. Um, you can use them anywhere, right? They they could travel through the ground. You're in a dungeon, purple worm. You're in an inn, purple worm. <laughs> it's it's great. Palace, purple worm. Yeah, you said tavern, and I just the uh, adventure starter. All right, you're all in a you're all in a tavern. You're talking. All right, bam, purple worm roll initiative. <laughs> right. I I would love that. Um I think the uh the first encounter they have in in the Dungeon of the Mad Mage is an actual troll. Uh so that's that's actually that's a, a nice little warm up for them as well too, right? Battling a troll and trying to remember that, you know, they heal and you got to stop the regeneration. Um with the purple worm encounter, do you have any fun tactics that you like to use as the worm on the players? Ah you can never go wrong with swallow. <laughs> I mean, get him, get him inside. I'm just actually pulling up the purple worm stats uh, right now. Look at that, roll twenty, purple worm. Uh, tail stinger, bite. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a DC twenty one Constitution saving throw. Uh, uh, no wait, that's if they attack. Uh, it's nineteen DC nineteen Dexterity saving throw or be swallowed. Right. So Ooh. that's yeah, that, that's uh, pretty high. That is pretty high, right? And then, then they have to do. Uh, I mean, then then there's the sixty six acid at the start of each turn. Uh, so they got to do 30, 30 points of damage or more in a single turn to get the worm to do a Constitution saving throw to see if it pukes it out, right? So depending on how uh, depending how how mad you are at them, I mean, <laughs> doesn't say how many people it can actually swallow. So I don't think there's a limit. <laughs> uh yeah so so along the lines of a, a campaign starter you just you know level one characters you're in a tavern purple worm shows up and whoever escapes gets to you know you get to get to level two and you get to continue the adventure <laughs> i mean if they kill it they they'd get up to uh i think, I think almost level four right there right so that's uh that's a bonus i mean it's only 200 and 247 hit points ish, right? That's uh that's easy to do. That's probably not too bad. You you may have to be uh creative if you're very low level to survive that, but um right. that would definitely be an interesting start to a, to a campaign and then if especially if maybe they only injure it and they don't kill it. Um then you, know, you have a rampaging. Yeah. Worm. See, now right. you've got a problem to solve. 
uh, in a destroyed tavern. So, right. I uh, I converted uh, an old module, Desert of Desolation, Des- Desolation. Uh, I, I believe it's a Margaret Wee's uh, adventure module that was written, and in it, I gave them. There's a purple worm attack, and uh, I threw that at them. It was like a random encounter. Uh, and, uh, they did not fare well. I actually had to, <laughs> had to save them with, uh, with, a, a squad of, uh, uh, soldiers on flying Pegasus, 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 Pegasus. I am not sure what the plural of that is. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, they, they got the point. Point was taken, right? So that's, that's one of those things. There's nothing wrong with throwing a purple worm at them and then, you know, Deus Ex boxing uh, them out of it. <laughs> um, so along the lines of favorite encounter, do you also have a favorite NPC? Um, for me, no. I don't... Uh, generally, I go by what's in the book. I don't, I don't throw the extra uh, NPCs in, per se, uh, as, as needed. I know uh, our, our DM for our last campaign, our season one... He has uh, he has a gnome uh, a gnome wizard illusionist a gnome illusionist who's a shady uh, shady arms magical arms dealer. I know he throws him in all the time, right? But uh, for me, I don't I don't have the the go to NPC uh, because I do run the modules, right? They provide all the NPCs, everything you need for that uh, for that book. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I guess I think we maybe touched on a, l- a little bit. Um, how do you have your players level up? Do you do, it sounds like you probably do XP leveling right now. Uh, I go either way. Like I XP is, is good. Cause it, it gives them that encouragement to, you know, role play ways to get more XP, right? You, you role play something. Well, you get XP. Uh, I'm currently running milestone on the adventure they're running right now. So if they uh, basically complete that level, they get a level. Okay, well, that makes sense in terms of the module then. And how many levels did you say were in the dungeon? Uh, it's 23 levels. I mean, so obviously they're not going to come out level 23, right? There's there's a few few levels in there where you don't actually get a level. Uh, but for the first few levels, as you go through, you're going to level up as you complete a level. Um, and then after that, it gets a little bit harder, right? That makes sense. But you at least you could get them to nearly 20th level then um, by the end of it. I think around. I think they get up to I think level fifteen level fifteen or sixteen uh, in this module. Where we started, I think we started at level five. So they started with a level five character, and I think they'll get up to level fifteen or sixteen uh, towards the end of this module. Which is still pretty high for D anD D characters. I you don't hear about a lot of games going much beyond that, right? Um, and that is like that's unfortunate right now. Like back in the day. There used to be, you know, high level adventures and a lot of the people. Yeah. So level 23 is recommended for 17th level. So they, they could technically make it to level 20 in this game. Um, and, and back in the old days, I mean, there were, there were levels for, you know, level 25 characters modules, right? Like uh, Paladin in Hell or, uh, or something like that. They're, they're high level adventures. And that's. It's what I miss is is getting your chance to play that high level character, right? You've you've worked for it. You've got all these bonuses. 18th level, you get that that great feat, and then you never get to play it. It's one of the I like to do like character builds and really think about characters that I'm making. Um, and so 
that's one of the downfalls I feel like is, is a lot of builds are like, okay, here's the 20th level build, except you max you'll ever get to probably play it as level seven. So like, it's kind of like painful to look at the abilities and they're like, Oh, these are so cool. I'm never going to get to use that. <laughs> right. And that's uh, my goal. If they survive, uh, there's no cleric in the party. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, is for them to uh, to get to like level eighteen or level twenty, right? They're they're going to fight Halister Blackcloak. They're they're going to need every level they need. Well, that sounds like an exciting game to be in to actually kind of know that they're going to get to be that high and get to actually use some of those features, right? It's, uh, I mean, they let you have those feats, those features, those skills, those abilities. We might as well give them a chance to use it. Who 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 gets to use the the level 18, you know, class feature. Nobody. And and I want them to. I want them to feel and taste that power. So they're like, yeah, let's do this again. Let's let's find another high-level adventure. Uh, so one, I think we can do one more question. Uh, and I'm trying to ask this to everybody. Um, if you could have one, or if you could have any RPG book created, what would you have put in it? Oh, man. Oh, wow. That's uh, a tricky one. <laughs> You know what? That is a tricky one. Wow. That's uh I mean, cause there's so many out there right now that, that have all this stuff in it. And like, what do I want? What do I need? That's, that's, that's specific. I, I don't know if I can answer that question right now, honestly. Well, that's, and that, and that's all right. I guess maybe if just to kind of lean into what you were saying, maybe it's more high level adventures uh, right? that are spelled out. Maybe, you know, this, Oh no, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Uh, Wizards of the Coast, if you're listening, um, it used to be an advanced Dungeons and Dragons. You could bring your character to a god. There were there were adventure modules to become immortal. They can bring that back for for like a sixty, maybe. I don't know. I would love to see that again. Those those high 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 level. I have just become a god, and now I run this universe. Adventure modules, because those were those were so fun to play. That's awesome. Um... So yeah, it would be really cool if Wizards was listening to my podcast as well. Um, uh, if any of you guys want to come on and be interviewed, that'd be great. Let me know. Go ahead and tell us where we can find uh, you and your podcast. Okay, so we are at Arcane Dice on Twitter. Uh, we are at, at Arcane Dice on Instagram. We have a Facebook page, Arcane Dice Podcast. Uh, we have a YouTube, Arcane Dice Podcast. Our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, pretty well anywhere you find podcasts, and at arcanedicepodcast.podbean.com. Dave, I had a really fun time talking to you today. I enjoyed this as well. I mean, this is my my very first interview. I didn't know how I would do, and... uh, I, I am I am pleasantly surprised with myself, and uh, this was so enjoyable. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Dungeon Master's Toolkit Podcast. You can find links to all of the products and resources that we talked about on the show in the show notes. And if you'd like to join the community or find out how to be on the show, check out our subreddit or join us in our Discord server.